Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of December 2022, and we are at the finale of our Satanic Santa Month. Uh, Essentially, what we've been doing all month long is taking a look at uh, films featuring killer Santa Clauses, uh, potentially plural, although I, I guess that never came up this month. Uh, so, uh, this final episode of the month uh, is obviously just going to be me, uh, and is also equally obviously going to be a short one, uh, first and foremost, because uh, it is damn hard uh, to talk uh, with yourself, uh, by yourself, uh, for an extended period of time in front of a hot mic, um, but also because, uh, frankly, I don't really have a whole lot to say about this week's pick. Um, So to dispel the mystery, um, well, actually here, I'm going to take you on a little journey before I share uh, what I'm going to be reviewing today. Uh, So uh, I have frequently mentioned on the show, uh, I've referred to someone as the girlfriend on the mic. Uh, That is to say, my girlfriend. Uh, I, for whatever reason, I like to call her the girlfriend on the mic, uh, just as a silly way of keeping her ultra anonymous. Um, anyway, uh, I've probably mentioned it on the mic before, but um, the girlfriend uh, happens to be uh, ethnically, anyway, she is American, but ethnically she is Dutch. Uh, her mother and her mother's entire side of the family uh, are Dutch, uh, and many of them actually still currently reside in the Netherlands. Um, so uh, being as I am not nearly as well-traveled, uh, as the girlfriend, uh, she's been all over the world, uh, mostly parts of Europe and whatnot. Uh, I barely left the United States. Um, being as I am not as well traveled, um, a common practice for me when it comes to uh, trying to better familiarize myself with uh, cultures that I'm, you know, a little bit ignorant about, uh, is to do what a lot of movie lovers do and uh, sample the cinema of said cultures. Um, So in the time that we've been together, every now and again, I find excuses to check out uh, Dutch cinema. Uh, It's uh, obviously not the same as, you know, taking a language course or hopping on a plane and actually setting foot on the country, like on the land in the country or something. Uh, But, you know, for a for a hermity person like myself, it's the best I got. So bear with me. But anyway, um, so instead of uh, checking out a classic this week. Uh, along the lines of uh, Paul Verhoeven's A Soldier of Orange, or perhaps uh, Spetters, or uh, Turkish Delight, or something along those lines. Uh, This week, I decided to sample From the Dutch Cinema, uh, a little film by the name of Sint, or uh, Saint, uh, as uh, as its translated title is in English, uh, from the year 2010, uh, directed by Diek Maas. Uh, who it actually has a funny history. Uh, I'll be sure to go over his filmography. But uh, just in case you're not aware, um, there is a Santa Claus-esque uh, tradition. It's kind of it's almost like a, a parallel to Santa Claus um, in the Netherlands. Uh, a character by the name of Sinterklaas uh, that the girlfriend actually grew up with. You know, celebrating that on December fifth, uh, a lot of years uh, in her childhood. It was kind of her her mom's way of allowing her and her brother to have a taste of of her culture from back home you know uh so 
in in the years that we've been together i've actually been told a thing or two about Claus and about the rituals and about like the meaning behind certain things so i am i am no Claus expert but when i saw the name and i saw the concept for this film uh my ears perked up because i was like oh i kind of know something about that and oh hey it's a horror comedy featuring a killer Claus. I mean, this sounds sick and twisted in the kind of way that is absolutely up my alley, especially in the midst of our Satanic Santa month. Uh, so I was kind of interested in this one, although I will disclose uh, ahead of time, um, the reviews for this one were not pretty. Um, I knew that prior to, to hitting the play button on it. But uh, this is a low effort review from me. I'll just say that much. Um, I watched this 20 minutes ago and I'm still... I'm not hung over or anything, but I'm still pretty beat up uh, from the post-Christmas festivities from just the other day. Uh, so if this is a very thin review in terms of analytical content, sorry. Um, but anyway, uh, yes, the film is Sint uh, from the year 2010. Um, and I already mentioned the director, Dick Moss, but um, I did say that his filmography was very interesting to me uh, personally. Um, so I'll go ahead and do what I do on these solo episodes, and I'm going to lean very heavy on the IMDb and the Wikipedia uh, to just take a look at some of the talent involved in this film. Um, it, there's not a whole lot, so I'm going to focus most of my efforts here on the director. So this fella, uh, D- Dick or Deek Maas, uh, I'm sorry, I actually don't know Dutch pronunciation. Something to work on, I know. Um, this fella... Uh, actually directed apparently uh, directed a lot of music videos uh, for a band of like a band that I actually am quite familiar with and actually quite like uh, I've liked them pretty much my whole life um, and I only learned uh, probably in my 20s that they were Dutch uh, it's kind of funny how that works out because huh? um, that was long before I met my girlfriend uh, anyway uh, the band in question is Golden Earring uh, if you're not familiar with them, you really ought to be, uh, because uh, they gave us uh, a couple of classics um, that very much made their ways over to the U.S., um, pr- probably the most prominent of which being uh, Radar Love. Uh, that was a song that made me fall in love with them when I was a kid. I remember asking my dad to, like, like I think we were in the car, and I asked him, like, what is this? I need this in my life. It was either that or I saw the episode of The Simpsons, where Bart rents a car and they have that brief sequence where like the camera swoops into them driving down the road and uh, Radar Love is playing on the on the, the soundtrack for the episode. Beautiful driving song, just leave it at that. But uh, the other big hit of there is that uh, some of you may be familiar with, I was obsessed with the song uh, early in my college days, was uh, Twilight Zone uh, from the early 80s. Um, it just so happens that this director... Uh, Dick Moss, uh, he actually directed the music video, which I have not seen actually, uh, for Twilight Zone, as well as numerous other Golden Earring tracks. Um, so he's deeply tied in with that band. I think that's really fascinating because, like I said, I have an, an affinity for that band. But uh, beyond that, as a feature film director, uh, he's directed several films that I have not seen, but I know by reputation. Uh, first and foremost of which being his debut, uh, The Lift, uh, which is the, uh, quote, killer elevator film uh, from the early, again, from the early 80s. Uh, this was kind of a meme movie uh, in like the early days of the like pre-YouTube internet. 
Um, you would find clips of this movie on like bad movie websites and whatnot. So I know of it by reputation. I don't know if it's good, um, but I'm pretty sure it has its tongue firmly planted in its cheek. Um, in addition to that, he also directed a slasher film by the name of Amsterdam, Amsterdamed, I'm ex- uh, excuse me, uh, which as far as I understand, uh, carries a decent reputation. I have heard direct comparison to this film, Synth, um, which placed Amsterdam above it in terms of overall quality. I don't imagine they're similar in terms of content, maybe vibe, not sure, but in terms of like rankings of his filmography, Amsterdam is very high. Um, in addition to that, he uh, has directed he's directed a trilogy of films called uh, Flodder, uh, Flodder, Flodder in America, aka Flodder Two, um, and Flodder Three. Um, and then uh, beyond that, uh, apparently he also directed uh, a remake of The Lift in the early two thousands. Um, and then this film, Sint, uh, from 2010. Um, I have not seen anything this man has done except Sint. Uh, so I can't speak to his overall quality. However, I will say that um, he does seem to have strong visual sense uh, because I have seen screen caps um, from uh, both Amsterdam and a few clips from The Lift. Uh, and of course, I, I watched all of Sint. And uh, I can say this much, uh, he and his DP... Uh, definitely like talk to each other at the very least like there's de- there's definitely like motivation behind a lot of the shot construction and and the lighting design at least in this film and presumably the lift as well um there this movie is not good i'll just say that much this movie has some funny issues to it like it starts out pretty well um and it has a decent premise but then it it really badly peters out towards the end um so i don't have kyle here uh, to help me out but um essentially what the uh plot summary for this film uh, sint aka saint uh from 2010 essentially the plot breakdown is um all the traditional tales of sinterklaas are based in half-truths um, the actual tale is told to us in the prologue of the film but essentially um, every time there is a full moon in the city of Amsterdam on uh, December 5th, uh, an evil Sinterklaas and his uh, gang of Zwarte Pietz, uh, Black Pietz, uh will roam the streets and abduct children and massacre anybody who gets in their way. Uh, so anytime there's a full moon in Amsterdam in the, in the fiction of this film, uh, bad things happen. Um, but yeah, that's the basic premise, and the the film itself starts out playing out. It starts off playing out like almost like a a nod to John Carpenter's Halloween, and also got a little bit of the fog in there as well. Uh, there's a Loomis, uh, Doctor Samuel Loomis esque figure in the form of a detective who, as I said in the prologue for the film, we actually see the origin of Sinterklaas, but. Um, and I'll go over that in a second, but the, the Loomis character in this, his origin is tied in with the evil Sinterklaas in this film, uh, in that his entire family was subject to one of the, one of the massacres that occurred in the late sixties, um, on one of those full moon days in, in Amsterdam. Um, and so he's like, what he's that guy who knows he, who has insight into the bad thing that's coming to town. Uh, aka michael myers 
or in this case center class um and he kind of has that like manic quality to him where it's like he he seems a little unhinged um but he's clearly the way he's framed in the story he has insight that the other characters do not so he's he's constantly trying to warn everybody around him in a very dr loomis sort of way um in addition to that like i said i, I referenced the fog um there is a ghost ship that rolls in with a fog bank um and also uh some of the early kills uh that take place in the present in the film like i said there is a prologue that takes place in the past uh, but one of the some of the earliest kills that occur uh, in the present portion of the film happen to be like a boat just like floating in the sea kind of similar to when the the ghost pirates jump that that a uh, fishing boat or whatever in the fog um and we even get like a a setup for kind of a, a Laurie strode and her her gal her gal pals kind of situation uh there even is a little bit of babysitting that occurs early on in the film um but all of that all of those characters just get bulldozed and pushed aside um, and that's actually probably the most frustrating aspect of the film is the the lack of characters because the the rampages the violence in the film is delightful if infrequent um, but the problem that comes with it is that we we have suspenseful sequences and we do have some you know like traditional like stalking killing kind of sequences and whatnot but it's very seldom involving anybody that we know anything about or care about at all. Um, and it, it just, it just lacks, I don't know, it, it lacks an emotional anchor to make any of it really, I don't know, carry any weight. You never really are fearful for anybody in the film, uh, which is a little bit of a problem. Um, but yeah, the, the opening prologue, I will say was interesting uh, because it, it's pretty well shot and it's, it's, it is pretty brutal and whatnot um i like the the early instances of violence that kind of introduce you to to what to expect very early we get some uh impalings and delimbings and uh a really awesome shot that kind of reminded me a little bit of a reanimator where a a, a shovel is jammed into a, a person's face and we actually get to see the the moment of penetration and impact it's delightful good fake head Lots of good fake limbs and good fake heads, and even a couple instances of uh, depacketations and head explosions. Uh, uh, one dude gets cut in half. Uh, it kind of reminded me of uh, when the chariot uh, cuts that lady in half in Gladiator. Love that bit. Slowed that bit down a lot. Uh, one of the first times we ever used that feature on a DVD player when uh, I was over at my friend's house when we were like in middle school it was like pause zoom in it's like how'd they do that it's like oh it's it's a fake torso and then they they had the sword run through the middle of it and it fell over it's like wow that was kind of cool <laughs> um yeah we were we were kind of fucked up kids sorry um but yeah the prologue takes place in funny enough like 1492 isn't that like some of that columbus shit or something <laughs> um but uh center class uh or saint nick i guess uh rolls into town and uh, I guess the legend and also in the fiction of the movie goes Sinterklaas is from Spain uh, and his, his uh, merry gang of Zvartapites are supposed to be like Spanish Moors um, and they're like his aides, they're like his, his cronies, I guess. And uh, again, I don't know a lot about Sinterklaas, but the way I understand it is like he, he does some of that Santa Claus shit you're supposed to put stuff in shoes or something or he puts stuff in shoes and there's like 
paper noting or something like these little crack like crackers or cookies or something i'm I'm talking completely out my ass i know i'm I'm just throwing vocabulary words out there that i vaguely remember i listened to my girlfriend fuck off trust me we have a great relationship um but yeah uh basically he's he's apparently from spain and if you're bad instead of leaving a lump of coal or something apparently the legend goes uh they they wrap you up in a sack and they take you back to spain to like work in in like the equivalent of like the the santa with his elves like workshop for a season or something so it's like if you fuck up you gotta you gotta do a summer job or something for santa claus that's that's a very real threat i've always maintained that threats that that have elements of specificity to them are much more grave like those are the ones you really need to pay attention to like if someone tells you they're gonna like hit you or something that that's vague it's like yeah you know maybe i'll do it maybe you won't but if they tell you they're gonna they're gonna rip off your head and shit down your stump it's like oh i think he i think he can picture this i think he has a vision for what he's gonna do to me (laughs) he has thought this through and he's ready to execute i should probably hold my tongue um but yeah uh in in the prologue here um basically I, i again i don't know the actual story but the the version presented in this film is that instead of december 5th being Claus's birthday um in this case it's the date in which he and his goon squad were massacred by a bunch of villagers who he was he was not delivering toys to them or being kind to their children uh they were like raping and pillaging their town routinely so the villagers revolted and on the date of december 5th 1492 they murdered Claus by setting his ship on fire and burning him alive um, and murdering all of his dudes um, and I guess this created like a, a revenant type scenario where Sinterklaas now is imbued with uh, evil energies that bring him back as like a, a, a burnt up zombie Santa Claus figure that, that is full of malice and vengeance um, so this is the trigger point for um, him coming back every full moon uh, in Amsterdam on the 5th of December. Uh, we cut to 1968, where, as I said, uh, we get to see uh, the Loomis character as a child uh, doing traditional Sinterklaas stuff, like singing like the equivalent of carols and like putting out their clogs and shit. Dutch stuff. Um, and then uh, he steps out for a minute and he comes back to find uh, his whole family has been moited. Uh, they have been murdered by a bunch of Savartapietes. Uh, and he also sees uh, Sinterklaas uh, trotting around on a horse on his roof. Uh, so he puts two and two together, and he's like, holy fuck, I think Sinterklaas just murdered my mom. <laughs> um, so this plants the seeds for him seeking vengeance on Sinterklaas. So we have lots and lots of vengeance lined up here. Uh, cut to the present, and I am absolutely not going to go over this film in, in a whole lot of detail, but I'll just point out uh, a handful of things that worked for me. Um, I, I mentioned the characters, um, almost none of them worked for me, largely because we do have like a setup, like I said, for like a Laurie Strode type character who is like set up to be in like a, a will they, won't they kind of like boyfriend, girlfriend type relationship with a kind of a jerkwad teenage boy who ends up, who ends up being our protagonist. 
but he's mostly unlikable and never for a second did I think he was going to make it to the final reel. Although, I take that back. He does have a sick mother and, you know, it, in film language, even even in, in a movie like this, it's like, you know, he's he got a sick mom and he's nice to her. So it would be kind of weird for, for him to get killed in a horrible way or something. It would be unexpected, um, but traditionally that kind of person like a, a even though he's a jerkwad and he's a horny teenage boy like if he's if he has a heart of gold in that way traditionally that would spare him you know a, a gruesome fate or something but the point the thing i'm trying to get to here is that we're introduced to him and the girl and they have this like early flare-up in the story where they're like arguing with each other and he's like fucking around with other people and stuff and then she completely exits the film like like they have a mutual friend a lady friend who who gets killed in kind of a suspenseful sequence or at least i think her brother also gets killed uh, by a, a sparta pete uh, who invades their home um but our breeding pair are very seldom seen together and the movie completely forgets about her but not entirely because we cut back to her every once in a while so she can have phone conversations with him and you know in a in a better structured film what i would expect to happen is that somehow she would get pulled into the drama because she never actually finds out about any of the shit that's going on like she she is on the periphery of a lot of bad things that are happening like i said her friend does get killed and she is aware of that uh her her guy friend who ends up being the protagonist of the film very unexpectedly uh is suspected of having murdered her she doesn't believe it uh, it's not officially confirmed ever that he didn't do it but point is uh i was expecting some like stakes like ramping up at some point but the movie ends up kind of coasting and never really finding a groove like it, it Sinterklaas just like bamfs into the film every once in a while and whenever he's on screen it's actually pretty cool but there, there's no sense of escalation or momentum to it it's just these episodes of kind of cool shit and then the movie farts around for 10-15 minutes and then some more cool shit happens and then it unexpectedly comes to a close um, in a very 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 dissatisfying way and it's only 85 minutes long by the way um so in terms of highlights, uh, I will point out that uh, the like first major attack sequence of uh, the Zvartapid characters, uh, the Black Peets, attacking our uh, teenage protagonist and his two friends, who are also dressed as Zvartapids, um, is actually really kind of fun. Like it, ha it has quite a lot of violence to it. It has an energy to the choreography to it. Um, that actually worked for me quite well. Uh, the snowy cinematography also looks quite nice. I did say this at the top of this recording that uh, this movie looks quite nice. Um, the shot choices, a lot of the angles are very appropriate and easy to decipher, like in terms of intention. Like there's a lot of <laughs> Dutch angles uh, applied during uh, suspenseful sequences in the film that, that read very naturalistically. Um, some really uh, interesting transitions um they appear infrequently in the film but that's probably a good thing because if you do them too free if they if you do them every single time there's a scene transition it gets a little showy um and it kind of distract it becomes distracting at a certain point but they're almost like uh 
Russell Mulcahy's work in a Highlander, like those kind of transitions where the camera slides over and then, oh, wait, we're in a new place. Um, really nice camera movement in particular, and also well lit as well, like very appropriate horror lighting. Uh, the movie is well constructed from a visual standpoint. However, uh, the post-production element of the film uh, is not great. Uh, a lot of the sound effects are very stock um, but probably the worst is uh, the music. Um, sounds very, very cheap. Uh, kind of ironic considering the guys, uh, our director's uh, music video background. You would expect uh, score or soundtrack would be something he would place, he would he would regard on at at a premium. Um, but in addition to that, also there's some very, very not good CGI. Um, that feels like maybe it just shouldn't have been there. Um, although there are obviously certain things that I, I guess it, they, they had to. Like, for instance, Sinterklaas's uh, antiquated like galleon-type ship. Uh, I, I don't know that they would be, have the time or the money to construct a, a high-quality miniature. Um, and also you'd, you'd have to contract the services of of specialists uh, to do something like that whereas like i would imagine computer generating it is probably something very easy to do in-house with whatever resources you have um and there's also instances of some of the center classes more uh acrobatic movements that just look janky to some degree um but beyond that like what's done with the camera what's done in camera solid absolutely rock solid uh, post-production not so much um but yeah this attack sequence um is well put together it uh, has some delightful instances of of violence like um the the shot where the the blade uh a, like a sword blade like a cutlass um comes out at like a dude's mouth because he got stabbed in the back of the head that was the timing of that and uh the cgi there if it was in fact cgi it looked like it um, was really, really good. Uh, I didn't see the seams, really. Um, and then what's more, the aftermath of it, um, we do get to see like a, a, a dead mannequin body, like like a, a, a fake body um, that just has this like gash, like slammed through the entire center of its face. And it's like, wow, somebody had fun. <laughs> and uh, I believe there's also a depacketation here. Um, and some of the car stunts and the, the cinematography when the car is spinning around look really slick. Um, great stunt crew, as far as I can tell. Like, these, whoever was doing the stunt coordination on this, uh, for as little as they, they were involved with the production, they really showed the fuck up. Uh, some of these car stunts were pretty cool. And also the placement of the camera on some of the driving sequences. I don't know if this director does a lot of driving sequences in his films, um, but it seems like he might, um, because there's very little car action in this film but what little there is um there's love there's passion put into the the cinematography it's pretty cool actually if you keep your eyes out for it um by the way um <laughs> probably not I, this isn't the podcast to get into it and also I'm, I'm ignorant to a lot of things and i don't have the best insight so i can't speak on it um but yes i am aware that uh, black pete uh, zvarta pete is a uh, highly highly controversial figure uh in contemporary by contemporary standards um both in in the native netherlands as well as the world abroad especially in more recent years um i 
don't it, it's not my culture i can't speak to it but um they they don't get into it in this movie like it's there um they they do have people dressing up as him um which many people regard as a form of blackface uh, which i understand is quite inflammatory for many many people um it's not a huge part of the movie but it is absolutely there um but it is interesting that there i i have read that there is like a uh I don't know, there's an ongoing conversation about phasing out the character or uh, adri- like adjusting the mythology. Like It's like, do we really need Black Pete? Like, does he have to be Black Pete? Because I think these days it's like they call him like Sooty Pete or Ashy, like Ashen Pete or something. And I guess the idea is uh, in the act of coming down the chimney or something, his his face and his features get covered in soot. Uh, therefore the skin tone of the character isn't as important as the fact that he is covered in you know dirt and grime and stuff because he came down your chimney to (laughs) wrap you up in a sack and take you back to spain to go work in a factory (laughs) Um, or give you candy uh but yeah i just felt i should point that out so whenever i say black pete uh that I, i am aware of what i'm referring to um anyway uh, there's a lot of black peats in this movie and a lot of them get their heads exploded it's always a lot of fun i couldn't help but think of the fucking putties uh from the power rangers every time they showed up they look kind of like urukai or orcs uh from the the peter jackson uh, lord of the rings films um and they serve similar functions uh they may as well be deadites or something as well but yeah i just I don't know the the sight of them like like running around like that made me think of the fucking putty patrol. <laughs> but um, a lot of heads, get, a lot of their heads get exploded, which I always appreciate. Um, we also get a chase sequence uh, involving Sinterklaas. Uh, he's <laughs> he's not on a road; he's driving on rooftops. Uh, if you get, don't get the reference, it's from it's the incidental dialogue from Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. I don't know where he fucking finds these people, but the incidental dialogue in virtually all of his chase sequences in those Dark Knight films is some of the most cringe horse shit you'll ever hear. He's not on a road. He's driving on rooftops. <laughs> um, I, I want to say that perhaps the sequence involving Sinterklaas driving on rooftops via horseback um, was probably borrowed or like a nod like a subtle nod to batman begins from you know a handful of years prior to the release of this uh because the construction of the roofs and even the the cadence of the music kind of has that kind of vibe to it um and also there's a police car chasing him um truly bizarre sequence where Santa Claus is like mid jump so he's like jumping from one building to another and a cop shoots his horse in the neck in midair and then the horse falls through someone's roof into their dinner party falls through another roof to like to the floor below and then collapses onto the police car that was previously chasing that horse and thereby killing the cops in the car so in effect that cop just killed himself by shooting that horse that's why you don't shoot horses folks bad things happen <laughs> um, but that that was a little bit of a highlight just because of how off the wall and goofy it was and i want to say that that might be this director's flavor that might be his forte because 
This film is officially advertised as a horror comedy, though I never really found it to be particularly funny or, for that matter, all that scary. It was very flat for me, personally. Um, but there are a handful of instances, like three or four sequences in this movie, where it just gets like borderline like Sam Raimi kind of crazy, and I really wanted more of that. Like it, I need, I just needed more of that because that gave it character, like that gave it a vibe. But it's so infrequent that it just it never quite found its footing with me. But I want to say that maybe that kind of like off the wall, over the top thing is is what this director does because you know he he directed a fucking horror movie about a killer elevator he directed two horror movies about killer elevators the man clearly has a sense of humor and then looking at the posters for these slaughter movies they look like animal house or police academy they look like boob comedies in fact boobs are very prominently featured on the cover of all three of these slaughter films and when I think, like, National Lampoon boob comedy, I think, you know, over the top. I think, like, the Blues Brothers car chases kind of shit. I think the parade sequence in Animal House or something. I think the food fight in Animal House. Um, and I, I feel like if Synth uh, had more of that kind of vibe to it, if it, if it got crazier more frequently, I would have had considerably more fun with it. But it's so infrequent and, and weirdly dry at times um and the whole big finale of the movie is uh our dr loomis character very unexpectedly uh unites with our teenaged male protagonist uh, who as i said was suspected of having murdered uh, uh one of his classmates uh, earlier in the film who was of course killed by one of the black peats and not him uh, that police interrogation sequence alternate, alternately made me think of Kyle Reese in a Terminator, um, as well as, uh, I don't remember character names because it's been a really long time, um, but uh, the the fella, like the bad boy, the guy with the leather jacket um, in a Nightmare on Elm Street. It kind of reminded me of that, where it's like nobody believes him. He absolutely didn't do it. Something supernatural is going on. Oh yeah, and I didn't talk about it this but this movie has a very big local conspiracy element to the plot that becomes central to the plot towards the, like in its final act, but um very similar uh to the, the Elm Street crew where all the parents knew something that the kids the kids did not. Yada yada yada, I'm real tired today. Um but yeah, the the finale of the movie um involves uh Loomis and the kid uh, trying to blow up Sinterklaas's ship uh, using a, a tiny a tiny boat uh, filled with explosive barrels. Uh, we get to see a SWAT team fight a bunch of Zvartapites. It is not as exciting as you might have expected, although um, it is quite bloody. Uh, and I did love the move where Sinterklaas uh, twirls his staff around a dude's neck uh, to depacketate him, uh, similar to how you'd like I don't know, to screw the cap off a bottle or something, except for it's a dude's head. Uh, that is a man's head. <laughs> um, but long story short, uh, Loomis dies, uh, so, but he dies knowing that uh, the ship was exploded, and therefore he believes he saved the day. And remember, this is like the one guy who, who knows the whole thing. He told the story to the teenage boy, so now the boy knows about the evil of Sinterklaas and about 
how Santa Claus comes back every full moon on December 5th. Um, and the kid ends up blowing up the boat on his behalf because he's too injured to do it. Uh, so the Loomis character goes to his grave believing he did a good thing. Uh, but in actuality, I don't think he accomplished anything because the boat explodes and instead of killing him, Sinterklaas, like, mean mugs, he, like, he gives, like, a stink eye to the teenage boy. And then he and the Zvarta Pete's run off into the fog and he bamps out of the movie. And then the cops take in the kid. And that's the end. Uh, they take him to a hospital. And um, then the movie goes down a road that I did not expect it to. I don't know if this has, like, some political commentary in regards to, like, the the dutch people's relationship with their government or something um these are insights i do not have but um yeah this movie goes down a conspiracy rabbit hole where um it is revealed that the city of amsterdam meaning the mayor and uh, the the local police and everybody are aware of the Sinterklaas massacres that happen routinely in the city uh, or at least every few decades anyway and they do not care. It's a big cover-up. Uh, it's a it's a problem that they allow to play out, and they uh, dispel any public anxiety about by covering up the nature of all the murders. So they they write all the deaths off as accidents or uh, lay blame on people who are not center class. Uh, so it becomes this weird conspiracy ending. Um, and the kid is paid off, and he accepts it because, as we saw, he has a sick mother who he has to take care of. Uh, and then he, uh, I mean, half expected Rodney Dangerfield to show up at the hospital and say, Hey, everybody, we're going to get laid. Um, because, yeah, uh, the girl who was kind of waffling on whether or not she was into this guy, uh, she's like, Hey, you survived. I don't know what, because nobody's telling the truth anymore because it's a conspiracy thriller now. Uh, I'm going to jump on you while you're in bed and uh, we're going to fuck in the hospital. <laughs> the end. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. Uh, so it ends with, I mean, it, it ends with a, a center claw staring into your soul. Uh, like kind of like a, he's like standing like Batman in a big tower in the center of, of the city. Um, and then the camera zooms in on his face and he stares directly in the camera, cut to hard rock music in the credits. Um, and I guess it's supposed to be like Sinterklaas will return in Sint 2, uh, Sint in America. Uh, that's the title for Flotter 2, by the way, uh, if you didn't get the joke. I didn't, but I just made it up on the fly. Um, yeah, um, it ends in, I don't have access to Brad from the Cinema Speaks, uh, Cinema Speaks, excuse me, a soundboard, but it ends on a wet noodle note. Like, it is a total wet noodle ending. It's very unfortunate because this movie had some decent setups, very decent ideas, um, but in terms of what it delivered, it, it I don't know. Like, I don't know if they ran out of time or money or, or what happened, but uh, terrible, terrible f conclusion. Um, absolutely terrible conclusion, and also just a complete and total lack of, of uh, interesting characters um, that were at all tied into the drama, uh, such that Sinterklaas feels like, I mean, I, I get it. They, they write it off as like, it's a conspiracy. And also it just so happens that um, 
on December 5th, it's routine for people to wear Sinterklaas outfits. So we we see these moments where like there's news reporters interrogating the police about like recent murders who, that have just happened in the city. And they say like, oh, yeah, the suspect is known to have been wearing a Sinterklaas outfit. But as you know, uh, there are a lot of people wearing those outfits on this day because it's December 5th. Um, so I guess the conspiracy angle writes off a lot of like the the logistical questions you might have as to why the plot never escalates to a certain degree. Um, but it's very frustrating uh, because th- this needed this needed a gremlins moment. This needed a gremlins moment, you know, where it goes from the gremlins are a problem, like the gremlins are, are are hurting like this one family or something. And then Stripe jumps in that pool and, oh no, the Gremlins are attacking the town. Or, oh, the Blob is picking off teenagers who are fucking in the woods and whatnot. Oh no, the Blob is, you know, picking off people in a diner. Oh no, the Blob is in the sewers. Oh shit, the Blob is at a movie theater and it's attacking the whole town. You know, you need to have that moment where thing like shit hits the fan and it just erupts into chaos never happens in this movie and it's very unfortunate but anyway uh that was sint uh from the year 2010 uh directed by dick dick mass uh dick mass i believe is how it's pronounced potentially deek uh, but i'm gonna call him dick mass uh from the netherlands obviously um and thus concludes our satanic santa month uh, here at catching up on cinema so thank you so much for listening but uh if you would very much like to check out any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Twitter, at Catching Cinema, as well as the Instagram, at Catching, Cinema, uh, Catching Up on Cinema. Excuse me. Um, and also the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including BitCade, so fucking Google that shit. And that being said, thank you so much for listening. And we will catch you next time.